Your friends in Christ, people hate wasting time. Hate wasting time. Time is such a precious commodity these days. It's like a resource. It's a resource you have from sun up to sundown and then long after the sun goes down or perhaps long before the sun comes up. People make use of their time and they try to do it wisely, right? Time, precious. Do you know there's a hymn stanza that talks about my misspent years? I don't know if it comes up in the New Year section like of the hymnal. There's a couple hymns for starting a new year. Uh, I, I should have looked it up because <laughs> I'm sure with a little quick search on my computer I could have found the exact stanza. But it speaks to misspent years. Today our topic is proper priorities you imagine how awful it would feel if you were numbering your days aright, thinking about your life, and feeling like you've been walking down the wrong path. That would just be awful to feel like you had misspent these years of my life. It would be a troubling, burdensome, wearying thought for you. Especially if you're like, there's no time for me. I can't go back. I can't redo it. I've got this one life to live. And it's a very practical message when you see a young man running on his knees before Jesus and saying, I don't want to be going down the wrong path. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And with that question, could you agree with me that that is like, yay, he's asking a good question. He's asking about eternal life. He, more to him than outcomes in the world and where I end up or what I accomplish, more to him was what is going to happen when I stand before God. When I stand before God, I want to inherit eternal life. You can appreciate the fact that he has a priority on eternal life over the things of this world, right? He wants to go down this path. He wants to go down this right one, and he knows that where I go now is going to make a difference for where I can be someday. That's what he's thinking. He's thinking finish line. And I think you do too. I think you think a lot about finish line. Like, where does this all end? What does this mean about me when I do this? Or if, if, I'm this, if I'm willing to be this kind of a person at the office, what does it say about me and where I'm headed? What's the big picture? Do you often have these thoughts of how God sees this? Where does this work? You can identify with this man. You don't want these misspent years or days. It's that search for meaning and meaning that lasts and doesn't wither and fade. So I don't think you can really blame this young man for wanting to get it right now before it's too late. But what else do you think of his question? On his knees question. He's earnest, he's sincere. You gotta like that too, right? He really cares about this topic. And he asks it in such a way though that says, Good teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Not to be nitpicky, but scripture seems to be giving us an example of somebody who's running with a certain kind of ticker. 
that I understand how the path works. And my understanding of the path, says the rich young man, is that you teach me things that I can do, like a stepladder, and that by doing them, I will have a positive outcome before God on the last day and inherit eternal life. If that's my big question, you're just trying to make sure that the right ground is under my feet according to people's teaching. This is almost a slam-dunk Pharisee approach to spirituality. The Pharisee approach that's entirely law-based, as long as we got the right commands on the path in front of us, then all we have to do is do them and God will be pleased. Right? All I have to do is do it and God will be pleased and my years won't be misspent because I'd be busy going down this path in the right direction all of my life. So just tell me the commandments. Are you surprised by Jesus' answer? What doesn't, shouldn't Jesus like <laughs> share a little bit of honesty? Can't he just read his mind, count the fingers that he's hiding, like his sins? Can he just do that? But instead he says, well, what is written? What are the commands you should think about? Don't murder, don't commit adultery. And you know what's going through the guy's head. Is it going through yours? Check, check. Don't defraud anyone. Check. Honor your father and mother. Mommy, daddy. Check. Got that? Right? Can you believe what he says? He's frustrated with Jesus. It's interesting that in this account that happens both times Jesus speaks to him. Is this man is frustrated with Jesus' response. All those I've kept. That's what every Pharisee says, Jesus. Everybody knows like the basic commandments. In fact, many of the superior religious pathwalkers have added a hedge around God's commandments so that we would never violate any of the literal ones. You can't break a Sabbath day that commands your rest if you've made rules for how many steps you can take. Then I know that I'm resting because I'm literally counting on Saturday how many I'm taking. So they had this beautiful system. Jesus, I got this. Don't just, you just spoon feed me. All these I've kept since I was a boy. My track record, my years. See the tree he's barking up? I got that. I'm good when it comes to that. But there's something else to be seen right here in this moment out of his own lips. It's why it's written. Is there anything else? Is there anything else? Huge moment. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Why did it say it that way? This story of this young man who comes before Jesus is in Matthew and Mark and Luke. It must be important to teach you a huge discipleship lesson of your walk with Jesus. But only in Mark are these little words interjected in here. Jesus looked at him and loved him. All these I have kept since I was a boy. This poster child 
for Judaism. Poster child for keeping the law. Do you see the sash across his chest with the merit badges of all the commandments sewed onto them? If anybody in the synagogue were gathered and say, pick one person who's ready for heaven, they'd all point at this young man. He's got it. I mean, since he was a boy, he's got a pretty flawless reputation among us. And we can't accuse him of murder or adultery or dishonoring his parents. He's been, he's been doing this since he was a child. He's been so devout. He's been so dedicated. He's been so faithful and so present. And everybody's eyes could gaze on him and say, he's the one. That's the one. And Jesus looked at him and he loved him. You need to know that because of what happens next. It sounds brutal. Jesus knew what was in his heart. The fingers hiding behind his back were fingers counting his bank account numbers, fingers that enjoyed his wealth and his prosperity in this world. Normally a good sign for Jews. You know, if you read the Old Testament, you got in trouble with God when he gave you famine and drought and sent your enemies in to, like, You'd have to pay them duty or something like that, right? That was when we got in trouble, when things were going well. It was like the era of David and King Solomon and wealth and build things and really big things and fancy things and gold-lined tabernacle and that kind of stuff. When things are going well, we prosper in the world. Isn't that the way it goes? So by all accounts, he thinks on the outside God's good with me, people are good with me, I'm just, just making sure that I get that last step so I'm ready to go into heaven. Jesus looked at him and loved him and he said, he said one thing, oh, it's, don't worry, it's just a small little thing. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. It's this moment when Jesus identifies the hidden behind his back, the hidden in his heart, as is told to us later, he had great wealth and he went away sad because he loved it so much. That I hope you have a little of your own fear and trembling. Because you came into God's house today and we go on our knees before God. Can you imagine what it was like for Gehazi in that earlier reading from 2 Kings when Elisha said those words, where have you been? And Gehazi I didn't go anywhere, right? How did he know to ask that question? He never asked me where I've been and today he asked me where I've been. I, I haven't been anywhere. And was not my spirit with you? Do you realize in this moment to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor? Jesus is calling the bluff. Jesus can stand and look you eyeball to eyeball. You could have everybody else in this room disappear. You hear this word is from God himself and to you alone and you sit in the one chair in the room of the congregation and you let God say to you, go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. You let God go in to the heart and see and reveal because that's what he does. Is that cruel? 
Oh, the poster child for Judaism, Jesus. How could you bash him like a bug? How could you do this to him? It would be so much better if you just, you know, move gently with him, Jesus. And that's not Christianity, is it? He needed something that moved him in the right direction. He was misspending his youth trying to earn something before God that he could not earn. All his life, his steps forward were steps backwards. That's what happens, by the way, when you go in the opposite direction. You notice that? You, you go backwards when you're going the exact opposite direction of where you need to be. This can be true of this man. Jesus is calling out, you think you are this close to heaven. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm an inch away. Can you just clarify for me? Can you give me the one last step and make sure I cover all the inches? Can you help me cover all the inches? I'm, I'm the one, I'm with, the, I can smell the cooking of heaven. I'm so close, Jesus, to the top. Just help me get there. He's not. You're so far away. What a stench. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What is going on in your heart? What an idol exists there. You haven't kept any of the commandments if you don't keep the first one. Let God do his needling work. Let God do his down-to-the-bone-and-marrow work in your heart and life. You can pass a lot of things in front of your pastor and he will not know the difference. You pass nothing before your God. So we come and we say, I am by nature sinful, and I have my thoughts, words, and actions, and sometimes I'm still hiding fingers behind my back. I'm still thinking that God doesn't really know, and I'm not really confessing. This has nothing to do with Jesus. You know where Jesus wants to be? wherever you are. You know where Jesus wanted to be for the rich man? Wherever he was. With him and his wallet. With him and his thoughts. With him in his heart. With him. You know the only way that Jesus can do that is if he not only knows you inside and out, but if he, ought not, if he also touches and takes all of it to himself and clings with it even though it cost him his life. This man was to give up everything and come follow me and learn a whole different discipleship. That was a whole different path that was going to watch. Do you know what he was going to watch if he sold everything he had? You know what treasure he would find? He would watch and observe Jesus he would see him forgive tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes before the Pharisees. He'd tell the Pharisees that they're getting in heaven ahead of you are because you're so rich of yourselves. You have no treasure with God. So he sets them on a completely 180 degree different path. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You don't need it. 
You don't need it. It says nothing about who you are. It says nothing about how close to God you are. There's no, there's no clothes you can wear that really help your identity. There's no house you can build that really fashions who you are and, and what you have accomplished in this world. You're misspending your years if it's all about the show. Come here and be naked before your God. Come here and be real with me. Come here and be honest with me. And let's, let's expose our wounds and our burdens and our disease and talk about it because God already knows it. In fact, the whole Bible was written because he not only knows, but he also gave. And now I'm on a different path that is with God. We started worship today if we think we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This poor young man, Jesus looked at him and he loved him and then he crucified his idol. Go sell everything you have. He made the most extreme, impossible demand on him and he was like, that is a spirituality I can't walk. He looked at that path and he was like, I am not this close to heaven. I am, I am a million years away from that holy God. My idol is so big in my heart. And Jesus says, exactly. You, you want to walk on this path? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And all the disciples go, what? Did you just say, what? We thought that they were like in the good. We thought that they were like next door to Jesus because everything was going so well for them in life. Outwardly, everything looks so good. He's got the Boy Scout sash with the commandments and he's wealthy and prosperous. And now you're saying how hard it is, how hard it is for them to enter the kingdom of God. Yes, this way, impossible. But, and the sentence isn't over, but not with God. All things are possible for God. My needy, destitute, spiritual self that ever is aware of just how far the canyon is between me and a holy God, just how undeserving I am of his grace. The more I learn from scripture and God's holiness, the greater that gulf gets. So is my appreciation for Jesus, whose obedience and love for his father was flawless, whose walking the path of a holy God was possible for him. Guess what? Jesus is a camel that goes through the eye of a needle. Jesus is your miracle. Jesus is a savior in that way. Jesus does, as God, what was impossible for us. And now I am in the world that operates in, in not only down a different path and barking up a different tree, it's the way of salvation and grace. And all that is good in me and through me, praise be to God. Everything that you do, that people are like, thank you for that, you're like, I know, and thank God for it too, because without his grace, I would be doing it for the wrong reason. But by him, and through him, 
and for him I have learned are all things that I might not misspend my years walking that troubled, impossible world of loneliness with me, myself, and my young track record. And instead, I walk the muddy, messy, blood-stained road of Christ crucified, and it is everything to me. My brothers and sisters, priorities. Did you see? Everything can become a false trail. There's only one that ends in the words eternal life. And in the name of Jesus, and by his power and blessing, that life is all yours, for it is possible alone with God. Encourage me in that, would you? And I'm going to continue encouraging you, living a life that can truly be called life, and walking a path that is in no way misspent, but the celebration of our Lord and Savior. Amen.